0: Good evening to you guys. I know you've had a lot you've been covering. Um, just again, thank you for the privilege of being able to come and to spend some time with you. I have been asked to talk about one of those subjects in marriage that no one wants to talk about, but we have to deal with, and that's this understanding of adultery. And uh, as I've had to, as a pastor, work with many couples who have faced this, Part of the challenge is trying to resolve an issue without first understanding the roots behind it. And too often what I've discovered in many marriage counseling situations is that we are attacking the fruit and not addressing the root. And if I could just share this with you, we don't have marriage problems, we have character deficiencies that show up in the marriage. And if people could understand that the key is not to fix the marriage is to address the character deficiencies that God has allowed to show up in the moment, because a marriage is not going to change by a formula it's going to change by character development. That's why progressive sanctification is so important in the lives of individuals. And too often when those character deficiencies show up somewhere in the marriage, we've stopped living to please God and we start living to please ourselves. And when that happens, the goal is not to fix the marriage. The goal is to address the character deficiency, which has caused the problem, which will change the trajectory of the marriage. Does that make sense, everyone? And part of my goal when I'm working with couples as a shepherd and in counseling and different areas is to help them see I can't give you a formula. Is it on? He's working it. Check one, two. Do I need to start singing? (laughs) It's good. Okay. Can y'all hear me now? I got a bigger mouth. I can get louder if you need me to. Just ask my wife. No, no. (laughs) So if we could really understand that reality, your marriage has to be bigger than the marriage. That's number one. And too often we've reduced the marriage to our own agendas. If you think about the agenda for your salvation, you have been delivered from the penalty of sin... You've been delivered from the power of sin and soon the presence of sin. Is that correct? By your faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. When that happened, your position changed from sinner to saint. Your condition changed from being dead to being alive. For what purpose? That you may know him, become like him, and be useful to him. Except when you get married? See, what tends to happen is the marriage becomes the center and not Christ becoming the center which leads to many decisions and to many issues, which is where when we talk about adultery, that is coming from somewhere where my heart has decided not to surrender to the will and ways of God, but there's something happening in my soul where I'm either hurting, hungry, or hating. And we're going to talk about that. And I've taken sex outside the context for which God intended it to satisfy something in a way God never wanted satisfied in that manner. And the moment we start to see these realities, we can help people see what adultery was really about versus what they thought it was about. So, with that in mind, let's talk about first the concept of adultery, uh, adultery. and and what does that mean? What is a working definition? It's voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and a person who is not his or her spouse. That's what we're talking about. It's being with someone you were not designed to be with. Now. Think about this for a moment. God has a certain order by which we are to operate and function. Is that correct? Did God create anything for itself? Is there anything that was created for itself? Everything God created was created for his what? Glory. Glory. So if everything was created for his glory, that means that everything was meant to function according to his design and his order. And when that happens, he is glorified and that particular thing is edified as it operates as God intended. But what happens is that when you reduce a relationship to you, you've taken it outside of the context for which God created, which is why you're miserable. And I tell single people all the time, it's not that you've been with the wrong man or the wrong woman, you've had the wrong agenda with every man and every woman. And as a result, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. You've made the relationship too self-serving. And now you're married and you can't figure out why things are the way they are. I was counseling this guy, he was on his fifth wife, he said, maybe it's me. I said, you think? (laughs) You think? You think? Wife number five? He figured it out after a while. But with this in mind, I want us to look at the cause of adultery, and it's so simple we miss it. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, verses 17 to verses 23. Jesus begins to expose to us the heart of man, and as he shows us the heart of man, he helps us understand the nature of adultery. Let's turn to that Mark 7. Let's look at verses 17 to verses 23. He says, when he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, are you so lacking in understanding? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from the outside cannot defile him because it does not go into his heart? Now, right here, biblically, he's distinguishing between the physiological aspect of man and the immaterial aspect of man. And this is important on a lot of fronts because when you see a lot of uh, psychology out there, psychology has a presuppositional idea of man that's inconsistent with the nature of man. Most psychology is built on the idea that man is just physical and has no immaterial nature. So therefore, they're always blaming the body for what God holds the heart responsible, which is why they're always forcing medication because they have no other resources. Does that make sense so far? That's just a sidebar. That's for free. Let's keep going. Uh, Because it does not go into the heart, but is into the stomach and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man from within, out of the heart of men. Look what it says. Proceeds evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders. And what would you see there? Adulteries. People say, why do people cheat? It's not an external reason. It's an internal issue of the heart. Now, before we go any further, I hear a lot of excuses as a shepherd and as a counselor that people use for their lack of obedience or disobedience. Let me give you six things that I hear that are inconsistent with this passage. Okay? I call it the six P's of excuses. P number one, people. You could say the reason I don't obey God or can't obey God is because of people. P number two, past. Because of what happened to me in the past, I don't obey God or can't obey God. P number three, parents. You don't understand my mama or my daddy did not or they did. Does this sound familiar to you? Number four, Pressures. You don't understand the pressures that I'm dealing with in life. Number five, pain. I'm in so much pain. That's why I do or don't do. And number six, problems. Now, if you think about most excuses we hear for why I can't obey God or did not obey God, people, past, parents, pressures, pains, problems. The problem with that is that those are the circumstances or the contexts of life in which you make choices. They're not the determination of why you make choices. Every choice you make is not based upon those six Ps. Every choice you make is based upon the condition of your heart. And if you're driven by selfish ambition, then you're going to do what comes natural, which is what we see in Mark 7. If you're driven by love, you're going to do what comes supernatural, which is what we see in Galatians chapter 5, when it says the fruit of the Spirit is. So the moment I blame the people, the past, the parents, the pressures and pains of problems for my choices, I'm making excuses and not owning up where I should be making confessions. Does everybody understand that? So if we, if we get that picture and understand that when it comes to adultery, I understand that many will say, well, you don't understand my wife was denying or my husband was. That may be true. But your choice was conditioned, as we see in Mark 7, based upon what's happening in your what? Heart. So spouses commit adultery because their minds are set on the natural inclinations of their heart instead of yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit. But second, spouses commit adultery because they're walking in the what? The flesh. flesh. We can see that in Galatians 5.16. I won't go there because you know the passage. Uh, spouses commit adultery because they are self-serving instead of self-sacrificing. When I am focused on me, then it's my pleasure, my satisfaction, my comfort. And therefore, I'm not getting what I want. And let me ask you a dumb question. Are we ever commanded in Scripture to love ourselves? You know why? Because we're so full of ourselves. Now, can we be real? We are so full of ourselves, the reason why we're so upset with other people is that they don't love us as much as we love ourselves. And if you think about it, I tell people all the time, I can never love you as much as you love you. Someone will always disappoint you because you're so full of yourself, I can never reach the level of loving you at the level you love yourself. And when I'm counseling people, I show them that. I will say, let me, let me ask you this question. Why are you so angry with her or why are you so angry with him? And they'll keep giving me all of these things. And i say, no, 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 no. Keep going. But let's get deeper. Why are you so angry with them? No, 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 no. Let's keep going deeper. And they go, well, I don't know what you want me to say. It's not that I want you to say anything. I want you to realize something. You're angry with this person because they're not thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you. Is that true or false? And because you're thinking about you so much, you expect them to be as full of you as you are of yourself. And I thought. That Christ died, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians 5.15 tells us? And so too often, if we understand this, this adultery issue, when we break it down just to simple basics of scripture, my heart is filled with my desires, and I am living for me more than I'm living for Christ, and I expect you to live for me as much as I'm living for me. And when you don't, I'm going to satisfy myself either with you or someone else. Does that make sense, guys? When we try to make it about the people, the past, the parents, the pressures and pains, we're making excuses instead of making confessions and owning up to the true reality. So as we understand that the cause of adultery, I want us to get down to the conditions of the heart that really set us up for adultery. And and these are some things I want you to go back, as we don't have the time to really explore these passages. I want you to go back and explore these passages with me. But there are some conditions that if we think about practically, we can see are some of the reasons for adultery. And remember, anytime there is adultery, I've taken sex outside of the context for which God designed it, which means I'm using sex in an inordinate way because my heart is consumed with inordinate desires. Okay? Let me say that again. I'm taking sex outside the context for which it was designed, which means I'm trying to satisfy inordinate desires of my heart. And as a result, I believe sex will be an avenue to satisfy these inordinate desires. So I'm worshiping two ways. I'm turning sex into an idol to satisfy a lustful issue of my soul. And when that happens, that shows that my heart is the reason for the choice, but my heart is in some places that I haven't explored and thought about. So I want us to look at a few uh, conditions of the heart that can set us up for adultery. One we would say is what we call a naive heart that is seduced into sin. And what do I mean by naive heart? You are not considering the dangers and consequences of what you're watching, what you're listening to, or who you're connecting with, thereby getting involved into mood-altering experiences, such as fantasizing, social media activities, certain kinds of stimulating movies and music, exciting friendships that cross moral lines, etc., that eventually lead to adultery as a result of not considering the dangers and consequences of your choices. See, a naive heart, in a sense, you're not really thinking about because you don't think these things are a problem. But the more you linger in, your heart is ripe for something it should not be. Does that make sense, everybody, so far? Another condition of the heart that can set us up for adultery is a hungry heart that begins to lust after certain things. And what do I mean? It's something you want very badly that becomes the lust of your heart, resulting in a preoccupation and pursuit of that in a sinful manner, you lust after things such as affirmation, affection, attention, acceptance, accommodation, appreciation, adoration, admiration, being cared for, being attractive, being pursued, being understood, being significant to someone, being submitted to, uh, comfort, encouragement, excitement, entertainment, nurture, respect, support, service, security, and a partridge in a pear tree. Right? Leading to embracing adultery as a means to satisfy your hungry heart that has started lusting after these things. You worship, i.e. lust after these things, or your worship and lust after these things overrides your loyalty and your love for God and your spouse using adultery as a means to satisfy your lust for these things. Am I making sense, ladies and gentlemen? Adultery is the fruit... We have to get to the heart to understand you want something and you're using this as an avenue and your heart is out of order, which is where we started from the beginning. The defilement of the heart is what causes this adultery. It's not the people. It's not the past. It's not your parents. It's not the pressures or the pains and problems of life. That's the context that exposes the condition. So, so far we see two conditions that can set you up, a naive heart, a hungry heart, Here's a third condition, a hurting heart that backslides into sin. Something you're getting you do not want leading to pain in your heart resulting in lust for comfort and pursuit of that comfort by any means necessary. You're dealing with things such as tragedy. There's crisis. There's abuse. There's mistreatment, there's rejection, there's cruelty, various forms of loss, etc., leading to a hurting heart that begins to lust for comfort, pursuing a sinful avenue of adultery as a means to satisfy your lustful desire for comfort. And your worship and lust of this comfort overrides your loyalty and love for God and your spouse using adultery as a means to satisfy your lust for comfort. When you think about any time you've talked to someone or counseled someone in adultery, If you just looked at stop doing that and that's wrong, you need to love your spouse or love your husband. You're missing something deeper. There's a motivation behind the action. And then just start with that husband or wife It's something that's been in their heart for a while. And as we start to break it down, we'll understand that there are preconditioned desires in our souls that can become seductive, seductions of our soul. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And if we don't deal with desires of our hearts that can become demands, we can be easily manipulated. Let me tell you a story just to kind of stop here for a moment. My father was a professional car and artist, a drug addict, and a drug dealer. And my last year of seminary, I was at Dallas Theological Seminary years ago, in my very last year there, he gave me a call because he was never around. My mother got pregnant at 16 and he left her, went to Vietnam, got caught up in drugs, never really got right. But she pursued the course of finishing high school, went to Berry College, went on to the University of Tennessee, uh, went on and got her Ph.D. and just kept molding me along the way. And as she did so, uh, she had this saying I love. She said, son, every excuse is a good excuse, but no excuse is acceptable. Now, try living with that as a parent. <laughs> but through all of that, I remember my last year of seminary, my father called and said, this is your father, Reuben." and I know I haven't been around, but I want to explain to you why. He says, I'm a drug addict, I'm a drug dealer, I'm a professional car and artist, and I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. And I've done so much dirt that if anyone knew I had a son, they would kill you to get back at me. Because of all the dirt I've done, and I'm not going to stop doing it. So I just wanted to be honest with you. And I thought, wow, how is that? My last year of seminary, this is what I get with a phone call. You know, most people want to add a boy son. I'm proud of you. This is what I get, right? So then he says, as a professional car artist, I want to teach you something. I'm saying to myself, I'm in seminary. (laughs) What, What do you want to teach me? about? I'm not going into this profession with you. I don't understand. Best lesson I've ever learned in my life. Here's what he said. He said, son. As a professional card artist, the game is simple. There's only two types of people you can ever con. People who are needy and people who are greedy. He says, every needy and greedy person I've encountered, I've taken them out of cars, homes, businesses, you name it. He says there's only one type of person that a con game never works on, and that's a content person. Do you realize he was quoting scripture, didn't know he was quoting scripture? I mean, he just quoted James. Let no one say when they're tempted be being tempted by God, because he's one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own what? Lust, needy, or greedy. Paul says, "I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am." And I thought about it. I thought that is so true. And every time I've been manipulated, every time I've been taken. It wasn't because I wasn't smart. It wasn't because I didn't study my Bible. It wasn't because I didn't go to Sunday school that day or go to Wednesday night Bible study. Every time I was manipulated, it was because I was needy or greedy. Is that true or false, guys? For you. Now understand that and take that back to adultery. When people are walking in adultery, it's an issue of the heart. They can't blame the people, the past. They can't blame the parents, the pressures and problems, you name it. Something is happening in my heart. And because I'm not willing to embrace the sufficiency of the God that I say I serve, because I haven't adjusted my desires to fit the situation, I want more in the situation than the sovereign God is allowing me to have. And Satan has provided an opportunity for me to satisfy my soul in a way that's inconsistent with my Savior. And because I'm not paying attention to where my heart is, I'm willing to make a decision that's inconsistent with reality. Make sense, everybody? Now, with that in mind, let's get back to a hating heart. We've talked so far about the conditions of the heart. We have a naive heart, a hungry heart, a hurting heart. The next one is what we call a hating heart. You say, well, how does that work, to have a hating heart and to walk in it? Think about it from this way. A hating heart that moves into the action of revenge and a lustful pursuit of comfort for the pain coming from various situations. Something you're getting you do not want, leading to anger, bitterness within, and hateful actions without. You're dealing with things such as abuse, mistreatment, rejection, adultery against you, cruelty from others, leading to a hating heart that seeks revenge through adultery as a means of payback and a lustful satisfaction of comfort from the pains of hate and hurt. Now, if you were to think about this, the way we're looking at it, notice when we talked about adultery, it starts with the heart of the person, not the context of the situation. And too often, we look at the context of the situation and say, well, wouldn't you do what they did? Well, think about how mean their husband or how ugly their wife has been. Think about what they've gone through. Well, that makes sense why they would do No, it doesn't. Because what we're saying is circumstances determine your ability or willingness to sin or not to sin. It's not true. What determines your ability to sin or not to sin is the condition of your heart. And what you want more than the sufficiency of Christ in the moment. Or is Christ's sufficiency enough in that moment? Now, let me give you a picture, and I want us to take what I call a commercial break to process. So take everything I just said, and we're basing this on really the problems of the sinful passions of the heart. Step one is what we're seeing. The heart of man is stirred and bombarded with inordinate desires from the indwelling, waging war within the heart of sin. So think about it this way. And before I describe this chart, let me see if I can put it to you this way. When it comes to our flesh, we have pre-existing desires of the heart. Okay. And these desires are sometimes not wrong, but what happens is we're seduced by our flesh. And so when you have the seduction of your flesh, because you're not, again, putting to thought or taking every thought captive, your flesh is always waging war against your mind, according to 1 Peter 2.11. And so desires that may not be bad become horrible because you're being seduced into considering them in the wrong way. So that's the seduction that happens in your mind. That's not the devil, that's your flesh. Now, what happens on the outside is there are suggestions from the culture. I keep hearing this commercial everywhere I go BK habit your way, you rule. It's driving me crazy. I can't go anywhere in the country without seeing that commercial and those words in the back of my mind. BK, have it your way. You rule. Right. Have you guys seen that commercial? And it's different, different ways, but it keeps saying the same thing. Well, what is that saying? That's a suggestion from the world that says life revolves around you. So you get the suggestions from the culture along with the seduction that's happening in your mind. If you listen long enough, you start to rationalize. And then ultimately you have the setup from Satan because Satan is the king of this world. He has the opportunities to set up opportunities for you to do from the suggestions in the culture what the seduction is happening in your mind. If we don't understand that, what I'm describing to you is the flesh, the world, the devil, how it works. Right. So the flesh, I've got suggestions of seductions happening in my heart. Why don't you? Why shouldn't you? No one will know. It's just you here. God will forgive. Blah, 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 blah. You name it. And what's happening now? I'm being seduced. And then the culture with all their suggestions of how the world is about you. The lust of the eyes. I can have whatever I see. The lust of the flesh. I can do whatever I want. The pride of life. I can be whatever I want to be. Right? Isn't that coming from the culture? And then Satan says, here's an opportunity. It's your world. Have it your way. You rule. And we find ourselves, if we're not holding on and dealing with these things, in situations with people that could have been avoided, because it wasn't the person, it's the heart. Number two, Satan further stirs up sinful desires through the opportunities provided from the world system and the world's wisdom. Then step three, whenever man is hungry in his heart, hurting in his heart, or hating in his heart and does not come to Jesus, he pursues satisfaction of the heart, silence from the pain of the heart, or setting the score of a vengeful heart through sinful ways as a result of embracing the seductions of the flesh, the suggestions from the world, and setups of Satan leading to his own destruction now i've said a lot in a little bit of time i want to give you a commercial break turn to the person next to you and think about how does this apply when you think about situations you've seen or encountered as it relates to adultery that you've had to handle how does this apply take about two or three minutes when we come back we'll build on this a little bit more okay two or three minutes okay guys back to our regularly scheduled program now, I want to give you um, some categories of adultery i was i can 't recommend this book, but I do have to be honest to cite the source. Uh, someone had asked me to read this book, and I thought okay i 'll read it had some great things, but it has too much integration in it when I read it so but I had to be honest as to where I learned the information from. But I wanted to show you, and I thought his accuracy and his observations are great. But everything else is inconsistent, so I can't recommend it. Um, but anyway, there are some categories that I found to be very good from it, and I wanted to share with you uh, as it relates to the categories of adultery. And I hadn't thought about it. When I looked back over my life of counseling and I looked at various people I've worked with over these last 20 or so years, I saw these realities, and I wanted to share them with you. Uh, here's some categories of adultery you can think about. One-stand adultery, one time of sexual sin with someone you don't know. Or no. Emotional adultery. Build an emotional bond with someone other than your spouse, which then results in a sexual encounter. Pornography adultery. Someone has been neglected by spouse and gets into pornography, resulting in a sexual encounter with another person. Platonic adultery. Uh, someone shares an interest with you that your spouse does not, i.e. jogging, swimming, sports, music, etc. And the mutual interest leads to a sexual encounter. Uh, remembering an old relationship adultery. You wonder about someone you have been with before your spouse. Find them, make a connection, resulting in a sexual encounter. Have you all seen these realities? It's scary. But these things are resulting from a heart that is not satisfied with Christ. Now, one of the things that I thought about are some of the connections that if you're not careful, can set you up. And these connections are very dangerous. And this is why I tell men and women all the time, there's nothing wrong with engaging the opposite sex as male and female with someone that's not your spouse. But you have to be careful to set appropriate guidelines and guardrails. And if you don't set appropriate guidelines and guardrails, if you don't really evaluate where your heart is, you can get into a lot of trouble. So consider this. And this is where I challenge people to think about where you have friendships that you would rather spend more time with than your spouse. That's a problem. Does that make sense? Where you have workplace colleagues that you'd rather spend more time with than your spouse. That's a problem. Where you have volunteer colleagues, and this will be happening more in the church, that you would rather spend more time with than your spouse. That's a problem. Put a star by this last one. Whoever can get privacy with you, in other words, can be alone with you more than your spouse. Whoever can get privacy of you can take priority with you above your spouse. And whoever has power over you, in other words, they can influence you to do things more than your spouse can. That is a dangerous person to the bond of the marriage. Would you agree or disagree? And too often, we don't think about these things as it relates to the opposite sex. And one of the things that my wife and I, we try to do is to make sure that there's no other person that has that type of privilege as it relates to our relationship. Because that's where it starts. Now, taking that, let's look at some cycles of relating. That can set you up for adultery. The num this letter A. I want to talk about this in particular because letter A, um, it's great for marriage. It's horrible for relationships outside of marriage. This is how um, pastors end up in affairs. This is how uh, people who are single end up in sexual sin. Uh, this is how we see a lot of issues because of these five T's that, when not kept in a proper place, can destroy. Let me talk about time, talking, transparency, trust, and touching, what that looks like. As it relates to the opposite sex, you meet some woman or man, you start to spend time with them. And before you know it, the time leads to talking. And before you know it, where there's more time and talking, transparency starts to happen. And before you know it, where there's more time, talking, and transparency, you start to build a trust with that person. And the more you have the time, talking, transparency, and trust... You don't mind if they touch you. Is that true or false? Isn't that what happened with you and your wife? You and your husband? Isn't that how you got married? When there are problems in the marriage, what's lacking? You can go back to those things. There's a lack of time. There's a lack of what? Lack of. Lack of. Which is leading to a lack of what? And then somebody else shows up. And you start to see these things build. What happens with single people is because they're not paying attention to these particular dynamics, they end up in sexual sin because they spend too much time talking transparency and trust with an individual. And they're not doing a lot of group and accountability, which leads to touching. And then I like to put this in there, then leads to tears (laughs) because they wish they wouldn't have. But these cycles, if we don't pay attention to, can be counterproductive. It's great for marriage. It's dangerous with any woman or man outside of your spouse. Has to be guarded. Has to be paid attention to. Here's another thing. Professional connecting that leads to personal connecting. That leads to preoccupation with that personal connection. That leads to prioritizing that personal connection over important connections resulting in inappropriateness in that connection. You made someone outside your marriage more important than the marriage. Now you're willing to do things for them that you wouldn't do for your spouse. So if we understand this, let me try to pull this all together. Dr. Wayne Mack years ago put together this idea that I want you to pay attention to. And as he put this together. I thought it was excellent, and so I have been stealing this from him for years. I think I've told him I'm stealing from him. Uh, but, again, this is credit to Wayne Mack. He he talks about the course of adultery, how how it happens, the, the progression. And I want us to talk about this progression for a moment. It starts with a growing awareness of a particular person, someone in your, your purview. And let me say this before we get there. One of the things I try to teach young people all the time is be careful of allowing attraction to be such a big thing for relationship because sometimes people think because i'm attracted to this person they must be the one what they fail to understand is that one person is not the only one that has those qualities that you like and one of the dangers is thinking that that's a reality But then you get around someone else that has the same personality type, that has the same things. You're wondering, why are these things in my heart happening the way they're happening? Well, it's because this is what you like. And now you've run into someone else that has those exact same qualities. And I try to explain that. My wife and I, we talk about that a lot. And we have to keep accountability because my wife knows what I like because I'm married to it. So guess what happens if some other woman shows up that's like her? Well, naturally, I'm gonna have this affinity and, and you're gonna see all of my teeth and I'm skinning and grinning and hey, how you doing? But I have to be careful because I'm not thinking at times, oh, why is this person of more interest than this person? Well, that's because she's like your wife. Nicholas, be careful. Does that make sense? Well, you know, when I see her and some guy, she's skinning and grinning and he, 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 and I'm knowing, well, I know why you like that guy. He's a lot like me. I get why this is a, a, a sudden attraction. I, I understand. And, and so we have to be very careful and realistic to say what I like in my wife is just not in my wife. What she likes in me is just not in me. But the more we are aware of, the more we can be guarded and careful about our interactions with the opposite sex. Does that make sense? If we don't have that type of honesty and get to that type of reality with each other, that type of vulnerability. We open the door for many things that shouldn't be. So with that in mind, growing awareness of a particular person, time spent thinking about the attractiveness of the other person, innocent meeting. this is how it starts, time spent comparing the other person with the present mate, time spent thinking about the negative, unpleasant aspects of their present situation, unhappy and unfulfilled in present situation. And then that moves to engineering circumstances so it appears unintentional. Then public lingering, private lingering, time spent dwelling on how good the other person makes them feel, more frequent meeting, apparently legitimate purposes, pleasurable isolation, affectionate embracing, denial, rationalization, justification, passionate embracing, then before you know it, sexual encounter, then we see deviousness, deceitfulness, covert beatings, then there's a struggle with the conscience, vacillation, guilt, blame shifting, Living a double life, keeping up appearances. Mate or other significant person finds out, and they are confronted. Initially, they may deny it and condemn the other person for being suspicious. Eventually, if they continue in the affair, they are forced to admit what is happening. And each point, they either decide to continue, yet remain married to the person's uh, present mate for the sake of the children, etc. Decide to repent and seek help, or decide to divorce present mate, thinking that it will bring them happiness. That they treasure. Isn't this what we normally see? I think Wayne Mack did an excellent job of showing us this. What I'm trying to help you with is that this is unfortunately a normal thing. But as I tell people, what's natural, we don't have to operate in because we operate by the supernatural. And so we need to stop making excuses and make confessions. We need to understand that this is always a issue of The heart, not the people, not the past, not the parents, not the pressures, not the pains and problems of life. This is always an issue of the heart. So no relationship is 100% adultery proof. Let me just say that up front. But if we can consider where we are in our vulnerabilities, if we can consider where our hearts are, if we know our price. And when I tell people about this, Said you gotta understand where your vulnerabilities are. And you gotta have accountability. And the more you understand your vulnerabilities and have accountability, you can protect yourself because everybody in this room, including myself, has a price. You need to know what your price is and protect yourself from that price. There's a level where you're willing to sin to get what you want and sin when you don't get it. You need to understand and have so much accountability and build up so much of protection. So that in that moment of stupidity, you have so many barriers that you can't get to what you're trying to get to. Does that make sense? And if you don't, it will cost you. So with that in mind, let me just give you some suggestions, some practical things that we can consider to help us to counteract adultery. Number one, which is always develop a close relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only one that can protect you. And he always has a way of escape, according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The more we connect and discern and seek wisdom, the more we seek to adjust our desires to his sovereign will, the safer we become. But secondly, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Again, always working with your heart. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's a big one. Focus on fulfilling your role as a husband and wife, not what you're not getting from your husband or wife. I always tell couples, if you both actually follow Philippians, considering the interests of others as well as your own, do you understand that you will not have an unhappy marriage? If you actually fulfill what God called you to do, no one will be devastated in the marriage. Develop a time of prayer, devotion, and Bible study you can do together. Number five is very important. Don't compare your mate to others. There's always someone better than your mate, equal to your mate, or worse than your mate. It depends on where you're looking that day. Be very, very careful of comparing. Here's a big one. Don't do for others what you're unwilling to do for your spouse. If someone else, i never forget, my wife and I went to this home and... um The woman said, oh, pastor, we're so happy. And then in our context, African-American context, they call my wife first lady. Oh, first lady, we're so glad to see you here at our our home. And so we got in the home and she said, well, can I get you something to drink? And I said, well, yes, ma'am. Can I have some lemonade? And her husband said, I want something to drink. She said, you know where it is. I said, you know what? I'll get it myself. Just just tell me because you could see where that was going, right? She was willing to do something for me that she wouldn't do for her own husband. And I remember one of my secretaries, I said to her, if there ever comes a day where I'm asking you to do something and you're not willing to do for your husband and you're willing to do for me, that's the day I have to fire you. Because we will have problems. That's a very important lesson. Liturgy. don't allow another man or woman to do for you what your spouse is responsible for doing for you. There needs to be an understanding of what you are open to for another man or woman to do for your spouse and what you say, no, that's mine only for you. And again, every marriage has that understanding. That is not some set rule that the Bible says y'all shall not do for husband or wife. That makes sense. Whatever's more comfortable. There's certain things that my wife didn't want any other woman doing for me, and there's certain things she didn't mind, and I'm the same way. You know, I don't want any man bring my wife flowers. That's that's mine. That that you don't get to bring my wife flowers. You want to give her a card or something? That's fine, but you don't give her flowers. That's that's my. I take that personal. That that's just one of those. That's that's us. Does that make sense? So guys will come to hey man, I'd love to do something for your wife. Can I give her flowers? Absolutely not. But here's what you can do. Does that, does that make sense? All right. Um, Avoid conversations and physical contact with others that carry sexual overtones. Avoid magazines and entertainment that glorify sex outside of marriage. Avoid developing friendships with the opposite sex that do not include your spouse. Set boundaries on the time, talking and transparency you spend with coworkers, employees, neighbors and associates of the opposite sex. Stop demanding that your spouse make you happy. Stay away from anyone or anything that would lead you to sin against your spouse. Develop thoughtful ways to give love and spend time with your spouse. Identify burdens and needs of your spouse and seek to meet them. And here's a big one. Ask for what you want without holding back what your spouse needs. Guys, I'm not saying that this is going to keep it, but what I am saying is these are just some helpful tools to build some walls to keep you and your spouse from going into areas. And again, understanding that if they do, it wasn't so much because you didn't do, it's because of where their hearts are. And as we're working with people through adultery, we have to help them see things through this grid. And not try to blame the people, the past, the parents, the pressures, the pains and problems of life. Because that's not the reason why they did as we saw from Scripture. So I want to close out. we got about five minutes before we close out. Questions or comments that you have before we close this out? Any questions or comments? No question is a dumb question. No comment is a dumb comment. Anything on your mind? Don't be bashful. Yes, sir. Do you notice that any culture, uh, I've been approached by many coworkers back in the past, of uh, it being a way of life for a certain culture, too. And this process is Because I don't want to, I'm not trying to, I don't want to call out anybody, but I know I've dealt with others that say, well, as long as I have a the man, they bring it on the bacon. I don't care what he does. Have you, have you noticed that being a part of a raising, or a part of a Trend. i've seen it but it's 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 what they say it is it's just selfishness of reducing marriage and people as a means to my own personal end so it's not really a cultural thing as they try to make it it's a selfish thing and i'm going to blame culture versus recognizing relationships are a means to my selfish end i don't see them the way god sees them that's what it really boils down to and that's what we have to help them redefine the re uh, redefine it because What happens, people will bring meaning to things that are inconsistent with God's reality. And we have to bring them to reality. No, this is really what it is, and here's how God would have you to to handle it. Great question. Anybody else? Questions or comments? Going once? Going twice? All right, you are dismissed for now.